Welcome to Stuff Ian Likes, the podcast about stuff that Ian likes. My name's Ian Banks, and I'm using this podcast to look at how some of my favourite books, movies, and music have changed the way I look at the world. It's an examination of how art can affect the way we look at things around us. It's also a chance for me to squee over things that I love. I'm not going to be doing a deep dive into the background of each piece. What you'll get is a brief survey of what it is, what I like about it, and how it's influenced me in my own thinking. Thanks for joining me. Adaptations of art into different media most often fall without trace into our collective memories. More often than not, the adaptation is soon forgotten while the original work just sails on regardless. But occasionally it looms as large in a culture's memory and threatens to surpass the original in terms of its recognition. James Michener's mosaic novel, Tales of the South Pacific, T.S. Eliot's collection, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, they're better known to us today as musicals. Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has so many adapted forms that some people express surprise that it was a radio serial long before it became a, a movie, a TV show, an album, a stage play, a computer game, a novel and a towel. Gaston LaRue's Phantom of the Opera was a novel before it was a movie and musical sensation. Frankenstein, Sherlock Holmes, Scarlett O'Hara, James Bond, Bridget Jones, Sousa's Liberty Bell, Rossini's William Tell Overture and countless others all have more recent cultural resonances that overshadow their original incarnations. Such a juggernaut is Victor Hugo's 1862 novel Les Miserables. It's been completely overshadowed in the last 30 or 40 years by the musical there is a book nerd, not terribly deep within me, that rebels against this sort of cultural substitution, but he's often shouted down by the theatre nerd sitting next to him. But what they both agree on is that given the length of the book, it is amazing at how much of what is on the page, if I could borrow that phrase, makes it onto the stage. The bare bones version of the story is that Jean Valjean is transformed from a bitter former convict into a kind and selfless man by a single act of compassion from a stranger. He adopts the daughter of Fontaine, a woman who has died while in his care, and then devotes the rest of his life to raising her. This girl, Cosette, meets a boy named Marius who becomes involved in the Paris riots of 1832, so Valjean has to save him as well. But throughout the novel, Valjean is pursued by Inspector Javert, who searches for Valjean in sporadic bursts of activity when he finds news of his possible whereabouts. Another main character is Fenardier, a former innkeeper who looked after Cosette while Fontaine was working for uh, Valjean, amongst other places, and he becomes like a villain of the piece. There is, of course, a lot more to the book than this. As well as a great read, it's a critique of society and how it treats the marginal members of it, Hugo doesn't pull punches and he doesn't sentimentalise his characters, but he makes you feel sympathy for the downtrodden and the wretched and gives a lot of reasons for how they came to be where they were and why they can't escape. The details of Fontaine's life and why she sinks as low as she does are heartbreaking. The lives of characters who constantly compromise how they live and what they have to do to survive without falling into despair are full of sadness and dignity. The details of Marius's threadbare life are interesting to read because he's a fit young man and also our, one of our protagonists who's poor through choice. 
while the story of Michelle Mabeuf, who becomes poorer and poorer, are awful in the extremes of privation that he finds himself in and adapting to. And of course, in a world recovering from the recent pandemic and the associated financial crises that go with it, we still hear stories about people like this, as well as still hearing from pundits who just can't believe that they can't bootstrap themselves into financial independence and regard poverty as a failure of character rather than a set of unfortunate circumstances. So like a lot of true classics, we get an insight into how the world works and how people respond to it. But it's first and foremost a great read. Hugo had this huge love affair with Paris and France that lasted his entire life, and it shows here. You could take out the chunks of the book talking about French history and society and what's wrong with it, and you'd be left with a story about half the length, but it just wouldn't be the same. It takes its heart from the subject matter and the passion that Hugo has for it. It, it just shouldn't work. It's immense. It's 1,463 pages in my copy. It's polemical. It's deeply political. And it deals sympathetically with characters on the margins of society. Look, some of them wouldn't even have been touched by Dickens with a barge pole. But it's frankly magnificent. I first read it in late 1987 during the summer holidays after my first go at year 12. I found it in a bookshop in Hobart for nine ninety five. I couldn't resist that. I mean, it was cheap and fat, and it was the basis for a huge stage show. I read it over a couple of weeks, and I'll admit right now that I did skip the Waterloo chapters that first time around, so please don't judge me. But I then bought the soundtrack to the musical on a double cassette that didn't leave my side for a couple of years after that. I saw the stage show in Sydney in 1989 with Normie Rose Valjean and Debbie Byrne as Fontaine, just for those playing at home, and I loved it. It was one of the first classics that I read off my own bat, i.e. I didn't read it for school, and it went a long way towards making me more willing to give them a go and seek them out for myself in the future. It does have flaws. Like I said, it's polemical and preachy, and it does talk an awful lot about history at times, but Hugo makes his screeds against an uncaring society genuinely powerful, and he backs them up with examples from his storyline. His characters can be set upon and hurt, but some of them are also mean and thoughtless, reinforcing the theme of the novel about a heartless society hurting everyone within it. And it also relies very heavily on coincidence. The main characters all appear to be linked in some way, and their stories all combine in the climax at the barricades. Look, I can deal with Javert cropping up a few times in Valjean's life, and him being the officer that Marius asks for help, but Fenardier saving Marius's father's life at Waterloo does stretch the friendship a little bit, I fear. But it does make those scenes in the flat where Marius observes Valjean being held captive and recognised by Fenardier and his gang are just a little more excruciating and exciting. And it really isn't worse than some of the extenuating circumstances devised by Dickens and others to keep their plots moving. But I don't care because this story covers just about every base of the human experience. It's got a love story, which is poorly handled in the musical, in my not-so-humble opinion. It's got a political thriller to it. There's a caper with escapes. There are philosophical dilemmas. It's funny, tragic, dark, but ultimately uplifting. 
and it teaches you more about sewers than any sane person really knows, but in the best, most amazing way possible. And you can sing along to it. If you'd like some more Stuff That Ian Likes, you can read more at StuffIanLikes.com and follow me on Instagram and Twitter, both using the handle at StuffIanLikes, and on Facebook at the Stuff Ian Likes page. Thanks for listening.